Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. And uh, we are here with this week's episode of Bright Side of the Suns for the fans by the fans podcast. And Paul, I think that was incredibly, incredibly apropos based on what has gone on, what has gone down since the last time we recorded and we're, uh, we're uh, published here on brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, what happened between it's been quite the fiasco. And Right, yeah, that's a good point. Like we recorded on Friday, and then it went up what Sunday, like yeah. afternoon sometime, and yeah, mm-hmm. everything kind of hit the fan. Uh, well, I guess Saturday so, night first with that Clippers game, and then uh, into Sunday with everything. That. Yeah. So, um, but but well, let's 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 start off then by kind of giving this rundown. Well, we're gonna. <laughs> I've gone through a myriad of emotions. Over the past week with the Suns, um, you know, from uh, rejection and anger and disappointment to sadness to glee to hope. I mean, it's been ridiculous, and we'll go through all of that here today as well, I think. But let's start with a quick piece-by-piece, blow-by-blow rundown of what exactly has happened here since we last recorded, and then we can kind of get into it from there. So, like I said already, Saturday, loss to the Clippers. I think you said, Paul, the fourth worst loss in the history of the franchise, which was on the back of the worst loss in the history of the franchise just a couple nights before. Yep. Um, And then, so that was Saturday, last Saturday. Uh, Midday Sunday, we get the Bledsoe tweet, the salon tweet, I guess we'll call it, the (laughs) I don't want to be here tweet. Um, and, and then around that same time, Gambo tweeted out that Saru was meeting with Watson at this point. And Paul, thank you, by the way, for actually sending me Bledsoe's tweet because, well, you know, we all know my situation with Eric Bledsoe on Twitter. Not allowed to see his tweets because I'm blocked. And you know what? I'm fine with it now. I'm totally cool with it. We don't need to worry about that anymore. We need not speak of it. Off, off, off the books. Not a big deal. Um, so then, after Gambo tweeted that out, then we get the Woj bomb a couple hours later that Watson is kaput. He's gone. He's donezo. Um, and then we lead into Monday. Watson's gone. Things not looking great in terms of Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Bledsoe shows up that morning for shoot-around, meets with McDonough, and then gets sent home. And we're told, as Suns fans, we're probably not expected to ever see Eric Bledsoe in a Suns uniform again. Which, based on how everything had gone, you know, over the past or the 24 hours previous to that, wasn't all that surprising. In comes Mr. J. Triano. Apparently our savior. Maybe I'm being a little extreme, but... Maybe it's just competence. Maybe it's just competence. Maybe it's, you know, guys not being completely despondent when it comes to paying attention to their coach. Watson obviously lost that locker room at some point. We can talk about that a little bit, you know, in detail here as we get through things. But Triano comes in Monday. They beat the Kings. 
great. The Kings, young like the Suns, not not a great team, but you know what? We're not losing by forty, so that's fantastic. Wednesday, the Kings aren't that young, man. They brought in a they, bunch of like vets that, that that are pretty much their starting lineup. The young guys are basically who, the bench. Yeah, but they're vets who I believe in that game halfway through the third quarter had zero points combined. Um, so Touché. yeah, so you're still looking at a team that has a young nucleus, uh, just like the Suns do. Um, Wednesday, then the Jazz come to town, and the Suns once again beat the Jazz. So uh, things obviously are starting to trend in a much more positive direction than they were under Watson. Um, tonight we're recording here on Saturday night. Game just ended. They lost to the Trailblazers, but guess what? This Trailblazers team they lost to by 48 points a week and a half ago. Uh, they lost by what seven tonight in Portland this time. Yeah. You know what? That's quite the that's quite the turnaround in a span of one week, uh, one week and a half, if you ask me. So, Paul, let's start at the top. Let's start at the top, shall we? Earl Watson. Finally? Gone. You, I know, weren't a big fan of his. So why don't you go ahead, let let me know, let the folks know your thoughts. Just spill your heart out here, man. Just give it to (laughs) us. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, I think at the time when he was hired as the interim, it kind of... It kind of worked because he had that rah-rah, sis-boom-ba, kumbaya um, whole shtick that he was doing that kind of worked with the way that Hornacek left and everything that was able to kind of galvanize the team a little bit. But the the whole hiring process and that they just hired him without doing any type of search was just such a farce. And you could you could just see that once he actually started having a training camp and doing X's and O's, and because there really weren't any X's and O's, and that was the the problem. And there wasn't accountability. He was trying to be the cool older brother more so than the parent that a that a co- that a young team like the Suns needs to have that holds the players accountable, calls them on their bullshit. And just gets that forces them to grow up because that's what they need to do. And instead, he was just trying to hold their hands and kind of lead them along slowly. And that wasn't what these guys needed, clearly. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with and you. And he couldn't do oh, X's and O's. Sorry. Now you done? I, d- I just wanted to hammer home the point that he couldn't write <laughs> X's and O's I, worth a damn. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you in part. Um, because let's let's not forget that I think towards the end of this year, before the 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 front office started shutting guys down, namely Eric Bledsoe, the team wasn't exactly playing that poorly under Earl Watson. They certainly weren't losing games by forty something points. Um, I will also say that I will agree with you in part, and I will also apologize in part because clearly I've been a I've been a, a supporter of Earl Watson's. I supported his outlook in terms of how he handled the players because they were a young team, but obviously that only took him so far because for all intents and purposes, I mean, if we believe what McDonough said about why they hired Earl Watson as the permanent head coach, quote-unquote permanent, um, it was because every player in there liked him, wanted him to be that head coach. So obviously he had a connection with the players at some point, but from what we've heard now, it just kind of grew old in the tooth. 
You know, you can only get so far, I think, being that rah-rah, sis-boom-ga-ba, however the hell you say that kind of guy. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. And... Um, what, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been kind of listening to Gambo a lot, especially recently, um, talking about, you know, the end of the Earl Watson tenure. One thing that really caught me was that apparently after the Clippers game, um, Earl Watson met with the team or, you know, they were having their meeting after the game and Watson basically said that the front, the front office, the Suns front office had given him two weeks to turn the ship around and get the team to improve and basically tried to create this us versus them situation with the us being the team, those guys in the locker room, and the them being the front office. I think as soon as that happened, the Suns had no choice. Once that once they find out about that, once the front office finds out about that, they have no choice but to get rid of him. Because as a head coach, put everything else aside, you know, X's and O's, motivational talks, Kumbaya, put it all aside. You can't create a schism within your organization like that. It's insane. It's it's, and I think that was frankly like that. That had to be right there the the old death stamp on his tenure with the Suns. Secondly, secondly, before I hear you, I hear you there trying to interject, Paul. Hold on. <laughs> I've been listening a lot about you know going back to this whole Earl Watson's kind of you know mentality being the. Basketball isn't the biggest thing in life. There's more important things in life. And that's true. Well, sure, that's true. But that's not the message you want to be sending constantly. I think that, again, gets you a certain ways down the road when connecting with players. But then at some point, you have to kind of continue to use that if you're so inclined. But you have to build on their abilities. And I've been kind of like going through my head for whatever reason, what, what's been popping into my head now, whenever I think about Earl Watson's like coaching abilities or coaching uh, strategy, I used to say is you, you watch uh, Saved by the Bell when we were kids, right, Paul? Of course I did. Okay. I still watch it. Yeah, me too, dude. <laughs> I have the whole, I have the whole set entire, like six seasons or whatever it is on DVD. Um, but remember that episode where, where they're all playing basketball and like Zach blows out his knee and he has to go to the hospital and all that. Uh, is that, yeah, do you? Bro? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, look, right, I'm so, looking, I'm looking, Hey, I'm oh, trying to make a two way yeah. street here, bro. I want to talk to you, man. Um, well in that episode, Belding, Mr. Belding, the principal Seminal was also episode. the basketball coach, right? Of course. Um, and of course. so they go visit Zach. They after, only had so many cast members. Right, exactly. <laughs> they go visit Zach after the basketball game while he's at the hospital, and Zach goes to Slater and goes, Hey, man, what happened in the game? And Slater's like, Well, I had the ball. Two seconds left. We were down one point. And I had a chance to make a game winning shot. And suddenly, over on the sideline, Belding starts yelling, Shoot your hopes and dreams. And then by the time I realized he meant the ball, the game was over. Like, I picture that as being like Earl Watson, like in the locker room, trying to motivate the guys, being like, just remember, this is one of your small steps towards your greater meaning in life. And just take that step. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? And again, at a certain point, it just became like talking to people that are just not interested in that anymore. And it's not going to work all the time. And that's why he's no longer the head coach. In addition to the X's and O things and the schism, there are a myriad of different reasons. But... Um, yeah, it just obviously wasn't, wasn't working. He's maybe, maybe he'll have like a motivational speaker gig now or something. Cause perhaps that's something that he's better suited for. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, to be honest, I think it, the biggest thing in him losing the locker room was 
once you get past that pseudo motivational speaker um, facade he had, he didn't have the actual coaching chops. I, 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 I'd like to. I'd like to. Like, I don't think you should call it facade. I don't think he's putting up a front pretending right, to be that. That's 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 what he is. But that, but yeah. I get your point and and continue. I get your point. Go on. At a certain point, they the team realized like he's not actually a coach, and so they start to, you start tuning out the motivational stuff when he's not being helping you productively win, which is clearly evident by the next three games after he was gone. Right. Well, and 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 I think you know yeah it. You can gal- you can use that type of approach to galvanize guys, but you have to build off of it. He never built off of it, and that's when it exactly. all just went went away. So okay, before we start talking about the next games, then what about my my friend Eric Bledsoe? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad. I, I like I just wanted to get unblocked on Twitter. He didn't have to like demand a trade because of it. Like it <laughs> well, was, he could have just left me blocked. People do want to get away from you, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus, this is like <laughs> this is the most extreme example ever, though. Like, uh, come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of surprised by it. I mean, I I was like completely surprised by it just because he seemed like he was playing playing good soldier, but I can see where at a certain point it's a breaking point where it's like he was playing well last year. A team asked him to sit so they could play the young guys. When he was playing healthy, it was like the first fully healthy season I think he'd had in a while. <coughs> and then he gets sat when he's healthy. So, I mean, that had to ruffle his feathers. And then you go into this season and they just have a horrendous start, like a historically horrendous start. And I can see in a moment of frustration for a guy who's not very wordy on Twitter, um, just tweeting that out. And as it sounds like he'd asked for a trade, he'd asked to be out. And, it seems like McDonough kind of pulled a bit of a Markeith in just trying to wait for the best deal possible and like having like a minimum threshold he was willing to give up for him. And it just wasn't showing up. And then he just rolled into letting him come into camp. And it almost seems like McDonough didn't really learn from his mistakes. He kind of did in that. Once he made the trade demand, he's like, yeah, this guy's not going to be around. Or he's made it public. But <clears throat> you're bringing in a guy who clearly doesn't want to be here, and he's the guy who is essentially the leader of the team, at least on the court. <clears throat> Are you and okay over there? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm getting over a bit of a cold. Sorry. <laughs> I can only talk for so long. Let's keep, the, let's keep the phlegm to a minimum. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> Go on. He was – he should have traded him for the best package he could get. And that's just kind of my position on it. But when? It's I mean like you're saying – Over the summer. But when did he – when did Bledsoe I, – I think your your timeline – no pun no, intended. Po- what, what I read was that Bledsoe had made it known to management over the summer that he wanted out. Management didn't trade him. Similar to how Markeith made it known that he wanted out after they trade Marcus. Management didn't trade him. And then brings that potentially toxic 
individual into back into the locker room and we saw what happened. At least McDonald was smart enough this time rather than trying to build up his trade value. They're just like, no, we're not dealing with that. Getting that potentially cancerous um, individual out of the locker room before he spoils the rest of the rest of the team. But I mean, I liked him as a player. I never thought he was going to be the next great Suns point guard. And I kind of feel bad that he came in to kind of be that next star and it never really materialized for him. But hopefully he uh, finds a situation that works for him and he can be successful there. I don't really hold it against him that he wants out. I mean, if I was in his position, I'd probably want out too. And you only have so many avenues to voice that and kind of make that move happen. Okay, so here's where I think I and I I'd, I'd have to go back and and look at what has been reported, but I thought that Gambo again, he's like the guy that I obviously pay attention to the most, um, said that Bledsoe had asked to be traded during the preseason, and that is obviously a lot different than being asked asking to be traded during the summer, because. If you ask to be traded during the preseason, you can't really expect the team to pull a trigger like within like a few days or a few weeks even because it's the beginning of the year. Teams aren't exactly going to be interested in wheeling and dealing at this point of the year. I mean, it's just not the most ideal time. Um, so, I, you know, I, again, I'd have to go back and look at that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was earlier on in the summer. But, but regardless, I, I, I still, you know, the the tweet surprised me, um, but. You know, in terms of the historically bad start leading to it, I think uh, him and Watson both deserve a lot of blame for that historically bad start. Because, I mean, you you watch the Laker game, like Bledsoe clearly played zero defense that game. He just didn't want to be there. And we were talking about, you know, in one of our earlier podcasts, or one of the two that we've done so far this season, if we were worried about Bledsoe and his shot, and obviously there's a reason why he was performing so so poorly, it's because he didn't want to be here. Yeah, he just um, didn't care. And, you know, I've, I've been a Bledsoe supporter, like, card-carrying member of the Bledsoe fan club. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I, but I'm, I'm not going to say I'm, like, super disappointed to see him go, only because it really was, it was one of those things where it was, like, a matter of time. Uh, right. You know, people said it all along he doesn't fit the timeline, and I totally agree with that. I, I totally see that. But if he was going to be here, then great. You know, we can have him here while while things are developing with these other players. And frankly, one thing that's making it a hell of a lot easier to swallow that pill too is, uh, you know, beyond the fact that he just doesn't want to be here, probably playing like shit the whole time anyway, is Mike James. Yeah. Because Mike James can play. Like, Mike James can play ball. How uh, did this guy not make the league till now? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You, you'll have to ask, uh, I mean, you know, 32 NBA a, GMs that question instead of me. 32? Is that how many teams there are? I feel like I should know that off the top of my head. 30. Then 32 in the NFL? I always get them mixed yes. up. Yes. There we go. Now I feel better about it. At least I got those two numbers right. Just got my leagues <laughs> flipped around. But, <clears throat> no, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. Obviously, I mean, I'm assuming based on where he was earlier on in his career uh, and the strides he's taken while he was in Europe for the past few years, obviously there must have been a lot of, you know, positive steps taken. Um, but... I have no problem sitting through. Obviously, Bledsoe is going to get traded at some point. We'll see what comes back in that trade. But if for whatever reason we have we have Mike James and Tyler Eulis running the point um, for the Suns this year, I'm totally fine with that. 
I mean, and Booker Booker has really stepped up his playmaking as well. So, it you know they've got they've got enough ball movement, and clearly, it's it seems that Bledsoe was kind of a ball stopper. Yeah, in that just and that kind of bled into the other players. That's um, kind of being like, hey, if I if I got this ball in my hands, I got to make the most of it because it's not coming back to me if I pass it off. So. That that kind of I think that bled into a lot of the one on one situations that we saw in the past, and now there's I f- feel like there's a lot more ball movement in these last three games. Yeah, there's been a ton of ball movement, and you know it's it's there have been at least a few times where either I've thought it, and I've also seen people noting it on Twitter, where some of the guys are getting like too unselfish, which yeah. which which is fine. Because obviously, like you want to be unselfish to a certain point, and they'll learn as they get older, and they continue to improve, and they continue to uh, uh, um, uh, learn the NBA ways and the game. Uh, you know, they'll they'll get a better handle as to when to be unselfish and when to not be unselfish. But to say that you know, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kids are playing too unselfishly in the NBA—that's that's not a bad problem to have. No. No, and it's it's not like they're being unselfish because they're scared to shoot. They're being unselfish because that's just how they want to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, we've already, you know, we've we've chatted about how they've been much improved over the past three games, two and one. Um, any thoughts on who perhaps seems to be the player that has benefited the most from this bit of a shakeup, as we'll call it, um, from last weekend? Um, I mean, there's a bunch of players that have benefit have like stepped up in various ways. I mean, that first game, I mean, Chris went off. He he had a great game, which is, was rather rather funny based on uh, like previous comments because he was he had kind of become a story before the Watson firing about how he had kind of regressed. Um, Bender is doing great, in my opinion. I think he's doing a lot on the defensive end. He's um, also, uh, I've seen a lot from his playmaking. He's tr- he's trying some stuff. It's not always working just yet, but he's definitely trying to. He's seeing things that other people aren't seeing, but at the same time, he's also maybe trying to go a little too fast with some of his stuff. And I think that'll slow down as he gets a little bit more comfortable. Um, his shot has looked pretty good. So much better. So- so yeah. much better than it looked even during some, uh, summer league this year. Even during the first three games. Yeah. Apparently, like, apparently, Jay Toronto like steps and goes, "Hey, hey, hey, Dra- Dragon, put arc. arc on your shot." He's like, "Oh, I put arc on my shot." And he's like, "Oh shit, I make these now. This is great." Uh, Earl Watson's like, "Oh, arc. That's what." You yeah. think those two guys, Earl Watson and like Bledsoe, like have I think little Earl like ha- talk to him about arc? Yeah, he's like, "Build yourself an arc." <laughs> In case the floods come again, um, paint a picture. Do Do you think Bledsoe and like Watson are like chilling at like one of their houses, watching these games together, just being like, "Son of a bitch"? <laughs> <laughs> Bledsoe's like, "Can I, I? I'm good actually, guys. Can I come back? Can I? Um, no, I'll unblock Justin from Twitter if it'll help at all." No? Bledsoe okay. maybe maybe a little bit more. So I would say, I mean. Watson's probably off at like Kauai on like a spontaneous vacation, just kind of get away from everything. Doing one of those searches, like walkabout. <laughs> like, did you watch yeah. Lost? 
I did watch Lost. <laughs> yeah, when John yeah, Locke went for his about. walkabout, like Earl Watson somewhere in the outback, like doing a walkabout. Hey, we've got Australian guys that listen. Keep an eye out for Earl Watson down there. Let us know if you guys see him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, so I totally interrupted you. You were talking about Bender, um, who when he runs up court, I think it's glorious looking. That's all I have to say about that. But go on, Paul. Um, Alex Lenz looked really good. I've been very happy to see that he's played within himself in these last couple games. Um, getting rebounds, blocks, played pretty solid defense. Airball the uh, free throw the other night just lets us the little reminder that he's still Alex Len. Yeah, a little reminder <laughs> here and there. They put he, he, we had a little bit of a, a twin towers scenario. I think back in the Jazz game for a couple minutes there, where him and Chandler were on the floor. I was like, oh god, please let's not go to this. But. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to see that he's earning the minutes he is getting, and mm-hmm. that that's just good for the rest of the season. That these guys are actually earning the minutes they're getting. That's something that was nice to see from Triano. Is he does he actually has a kind of short leash, but it's not a short leash if you're. It's a short leash of if you're not trying. Like if you, and right. it's really more so on the defensive end. Like if you sag off on some guy, a guy gets an easy shot because you didn't play hard, you're out. But I mean, he'll let you, if you make a mistake, but you were trying, he'll let you stay. So they're not, the players aren't, I know a lot of young players kind of get worried about like making mistakes because then they'll get pulled. Yeah. I don't see that happening. It's more of an effort, effort thing. thing. He's holding them accountable, making sure they're working hard. Exactly. Which apparently worked with Chris. He was like, hey, hey, Marquise, you know, you're not working hard. He's like, oh, crap, I'm not. Maybe I should start playing harder. Oh, look, I'm good at this game. I feel I feel yeah. like it's almost like the switch was that quick with him, you know, from, from games one and two and three to four and five and six. Pretty much. But anybody else you want to add to the list of the most uh, uh, players taking the most advantage of the change? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Tyler Ulysses is hitting shots now. Um, I don't know. Booker's put up a 34-6-6 six and six tonight. So, I mean, and he's playing defense. And he is playing defense. Like, clearly it was an effort thing there, and, like, Watson just wasn't getting on his ass about the effort. Well, yeah, and, and, and Watson. Let's, thought, like, I, first of all, I do want to say, like, I would still love to hang out and just chat with Watson, maybe get a hug from him. He seems like a nice guy. Um, but, you know, not, <laughs> not, not, not crying about seeing him go. I think maybe the one guy that, uh, you know, is, is truly not, you know, receiving any benefit from this change, though, would be, like, Alec Peters, who got to play like a couple minutes when they were losing by like forty eight. <laughs> now he's not getting any playing time at all. Other than that, though, I'm pretty sure everyone is taking a positive advantage of it. And he's everybody in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. Which and he's been keeping the rotation. I mean, what in the last game uh, the, against Ten Utah players? was it? Ten players had scored by like the middle of the second quarter, which was crazy to see. Um, but you know, showing back to that whole idea of, of the players not being selfish. I mean, that type of distribution and points, uh, you certainly can't compare, complain about, especially when you're dealing again with, with a young group like that. And this is a super random side note, but I was just looking up, I frankly completely blanked on Alec Peters as a name. So I just Googled son's roster really quick and, and all the pictures of the players show up like on the first page of the Google results. And as you scroll over. The Troy Daniels picture is a picture of him from a video game. 
<laughs> and everyone else is like they're either on court or their roster picture. For whatever reason, Marquise Chris's picture is still him at Washington. Tyson Chandler's picture is him in Dallas. Alex Len looks like he's in a dark room. Okay, I digress. Anyway, so, okay. Um, anything else we want to chat about? I mean, obviously all the players have improved. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to finally, I'm watching Suns games, and I'm like, this is fun. The other night, the, the past three games, I've watched every game, and I've thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Uh, obviously the first two we won, that made it even more enjoyable. Tonight we lost, but I still enjoyed it because we're seeing what we've been talking about, Paul. You and I have been talking about since last year that we just want to see out of this young team, and that is them working hard, them improving, and them competing. And win or lose, if they lose, fine. They're going to lose games. I'm still expecting. I thought for a second maybe we'd go 79-3, and but you know that's out the window now, so obviously that's not going to happen. But we expect them to lose games, but we just want to hey, see the improvement happening. 78-4 is certainly still it's still on the table. It's still on the table. I don't know. So. They are playing the Nets, and the Nets apparently are good this year. So the the Nets have been you know it was funny because they beat Cleveland the other night, and it was almost like oh you want that you you've got our draft pick now huh? Watch us make it a little bit worse for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but they're showing they're showing they're showing the effort, and that's all we can ask for. I think with a group this young. And if these guys, I mean, if they can extrapolate this type of improvement they've had in the past week and make it happen like week after week, by the end of the year, we'll be basically dealing with the dream they team. They win two-thirds of their games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's it's all positive. Now, if, if you don't have anything else specific to say about the team itself, I want to touch base on one other thing that's kind of been circulating out there in terms of the Suns, but it's more of a, you know, ownership front office type deal and i'm sure you know what i'm getting into here so i i do so are you done with the team the players itself i'm done with the team i'm done with them i i've washed myself (laughs) so so this whole sarver out billboard thing um i'm sorry i i (laughs) how do i i don't need to put this lightly right this is stupid it's stupid it's absolutely stupid paul you know what it's stupid like it's stupid. There are, first of all, there are causes out there, people. If you want to give money to something, give it to a real cause. But putting up a billboard, assuming that, you know, Clear Channel or iHeart or whoever the hell owns the billboards is even going to do it, putting up a billboard and wasting your money on that, that's going to serve no purpose, is ridiculous. Robert Sarver understands that people in Phoenix don't like him. I don't think he thinks he's beloved in Phoenix. I don't think he cares either. Robert Sarver's a billionaire. A billboard's not going to send any sort of message to him. Is it hilarious? Yeah, great. It's funny, but it's not going to send any message to him. Nothing's, he's going to operate the team how he's going to operate the team. It's a business for him. He doesn't want to lose money in a business. And, if he, if he, and, and, and he, I believe, wants to win. I don't think – and maybe people don't think he wants to win. I don't know. But I think the guy wants to win. And lastly, putting a billboard is not going to make him sell a team. I mean, no, he's not, not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So it's it's a complete waste. I, again, I think it's stupid. I think it's kind of embarrassing, frankly. Um, and again, if you have money that you're so inclined to be thrown around at something like that, maybe donate it to a to, real to cause. Puerto Rico. Yeah, Puerto Rico. There, that's beautiful. You know what? I sit on the uh, board of directors for a charity. Shoot me a tweet. I'll give you the information. You can donate it there. But putting money into a Sarver out sign is just silly, and it's a waste. 
Do you have any thoughts, Paul? I'm off, I'm <laughs> off my soapbox now. Well, I've never hidden that I've never I'm not a huge fan of Sarver. As an owner, I don't. He makes decisions and medals when he shouldn't and doesn't when he should. And I wouldn't hate it if somebody else came in. But then again, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So we could get somebody worse. But that's very true. (laughs) (laughs) I I do agree with you that it it really is kind of a waste just from the standpoint of, of money. But at the same time, you do look at the last decade or so since Sarver took ownership and particularly post the, post the D'Antoni era for, for all intents and purposes, he is the only constant there. And there's been a lot of futility and so as a fan, at a certain point, it just comes down to that is the problem because that's the only constant. So having disdain and having anger towards him and wanting to vent that in some way, I understand. But this is – it's not going to do anything. It's just symbolic. Right. And, and you know what? If you feel that strongly about it, why don't you send oh send send a freaking email or a letter to somebody? Send to his bank. I'm sure it'll get to him somehow. You can get to somebody that it'll it'll voice an opinion to somebody. Put your name on it at least. You know, I mean, it's just I, I think it's idiotic. I think it's dumb. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. I feel maybe that's all we need to talk about it. Um, if they ever go up, I will. When I drive by, I will boo them. I will boo them. And you know, I, Sarver is what he is. Like boo earns. <laughs> what? Huh? Do you remember that episode? Boo earns? No. They're not saying boo, they're saying boo earns. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's an episode of The Simpsons. I don't remember that. (laughs) You don't remember boo earns? No. Oh, man, dude. I think it's the, I think it might have been Homer at the Bat, which is like a seminal episode. Oh, like Burns. I got you. Sorry, it took me, I didn't put all that together. (laughs) I thought, like, not going to lie, when you said boo earns, I'm like, what, like, booing, like, earns, like, where you put ashes? What are you talking about right now? I got you. Okay. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember that now. But um, anyway, digress again. Uh, but it's you know what? what if do. you know what? If you if you felt yourself inclined to uh, donate to the quote unquote cause of putting up a ridiculous billboard, fine. More power to you. If you wanna if you wanna tweet at me or perhaps you know just leave a comment and yell at me about how I'm wrong. Great. I'd love to hear that too. Um, but I'm not. So and I'm not trying to be a jerk. It is stupid. It's just stupid. So we'll, we'll get off it because I, I'm getting all like worked up. I, I get worked up over dumb stuff, don't I? Uh, oh, yeah. but at any rate, before it's I alienate, before I, before I alienate every single stuff. person that listens to this, um, Paul does not share any of my thoughts or beliefs. So please don't lash out at Paul for my, if said he called it dumb too, but Regardless, uh, Paul, we've been chugging along here for a little bit. I think we've covered the psychosis, psychoticness, the insanity that was the past week, um, and and then some. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts, words, <laughs> motivational sayings, vacation um, spots, I do. yoga instructors? I do. After those... Coming off our last podcast, I was really 
not looking forward to going through an entire season of that. <laughs> what we saw in those first three games. I feel like that is like the best description. <laughs> it's like, what was it? It was just that. That. Go on. I, I don't want to. I don't want to belabor it too much. But after this past week and watching the um, the energy and the exuberance that the team has played with and the competitiveness that we've seen and clearly improvement in all manners of basketball know-how. I'm actually looking forward to the season again, which I'm just very happy about because I have enough other disappointing sports that I didn't want this one to be disappointing to. Amen. Hey, dude. Well, hey, the Chargers three in a row. Big game against the Patriots tomorrow. Suddenly they're looking like, you know, that, that AFC West got a little tighter, too. Hey, I know. So, hey, you know, maybe things are looking up for the, you know, the Bichelia and Najalik uh, households right now. I hope. We'll see. One can only hope. We'll find out. But no, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm finally having fun again watching these Suns games. Like that first game, I kept watching to the end only because I wanted to see just how horrible it could possibly get. It's like driving by a car accident and having to look. Now, uh-huh. now this is like, I don't know, driving by like a, a scenic view on a freeway or like, you know, when you're going on a road trip and wanting to look at that, it feels a lot nicer to look at. So I too am excited about this season now. I'm excited to see the uh, improvement that uh, the, these guys continue to show. And I think they'll continue to show. I'm, I'm a hell of a lot more excited now than I was a week ago about Dragon Bender. Um, which, oh, yeah. which is great. Cause I think, you know, when we start talking about the timeline, he's a huge part of that. Um, and, and he's kind of one of the bigger question marks. Cause I think he has, you know, of, if you look at like Chris, him and say Jackson, I think Bender still remains kind of the biggest mystery as to what he's ultimately going to become, but he's starting to show some flashes that, uh, it certainly gives me an inclination that he can be something really special. And, um, maybe we're, we're starting to develop something special here in Phoenix and maybe, yeah, you know, it could really turn into something The you know, we might look on, Hey, maybe, maybe in two, three, four years, we look back on, you know, this weekend of the Watson Bledsoe debacle thinking that, Oh my gosh, this is all just hitting the fan for the Suns. We're taking 10,000 steps back right now and look at it as like the best, the-, the best thing that's happened to the Phoenix Suns in a long time. Maybe that was our floor. I, I know, Jesus Christ, I hope so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Hopefully. I'd say when Hopefully. you lost a game by the most points this team has ever lost in franchise history in 50 years, that has to be the floor. I mean, by definition, it's the floor, right? Technically. By definition, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, we are up, we are off the floor. We are now back in positive moods here. And besides the whole yes, server out thing, negative on that, always. But and I'm not saying I love Sarver. I'm just saying like the concept of that is kind of ridiculous. So, as always, you can find me on Twitter at so says Jay and Paul at Dervish of Whirl at Dervish of Whirl. Brightside Nights, which was supposed to be November, uh, has been postponed, I believe, until January. Um, don't hold me to that because I'm pretty sure I read that in an article, but then I went back through and I couldn't find anything that said anything about it. So maybe I dreamt it, uh, but I feel like I didn't. 
So we'll, we'll, we'll check with wrong, Dave and yeah, ask Dave, ask one. Dave, or we'll, <laughs> we'll I'll continue to just guess for the next few weeks and see if we just happen to miss it. Um, but at, at any rate, hit a bright side night, whenever it might ultimately end up being. And uh, until next week, as always, um, you can catch us on Twitter. We'll be here. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel for Bright Side of the Suns, for the fans, by the fans podcast, giving you all of our hot takes and my angry rants and Paul's, uh, you know, positive, positive thought process that he's always having. So until then, oh, yeah. depending, on when you're, depending on when you're listening, have a good morning, good afternoon, or good uh, evening. Fat guy in little coat.